2: please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.
1: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul.
2: Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today, in the Zoom room, I've got Cooper Chapman here with me today. He's a pro surfer, he's a 28 year old fucking legend. He's the founder <laughs> of the Good Humans podcast and the Good Humans Factory. He's doing talks. He's doing keynote speaking. He's basically reaching out to young people about mental health stuff. And I think he's freaking amazing. He's also taken up a one-year alcohol free challenge and it's about six months in. Welcome to the show wow. today, Cooper. How are you?
3: I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for um, having me on. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I love getting to talk about this sober journey. It's starting to Get real now that summer's um, coming around the corner, I'm starting to see the temptations pop up a bit more than it was through winter, but no, I'm really enjoying the journey and I'm excited to have a chat to you today about it.
2: Yeah, thank you. So summer coming up, that's a big one and that's a great thing to actually bring up because that's it could be such a trigger for people. Summertime, the sun's out, you know, the beers are flowing. What's your plan to get you through?
3: Uh, I don't have a direct plan, but I think a few of the things that I know are definitely going to help is... One thing that I really like to talk about when it comes to stopping drinking alcohol is the fact that I didn't stop drinking, I just stopped drinking alcohol. And so often, if I go out and don't have something to drink, it makes it quite difficult. So for me, I've been like really getting into a bunch of the different non-alk options from things like the better beer zero out to um, Heaps Normal zero out beer, Heineken zero out, and just kind of working my way around all of them and still enjoying being able to go grab a beer if it's going to the I don't know, somewhere and to catch up with friends and they're getting a beer. If there's a non-alc option, I find that's a massive help. And then also um, I've got contacts and sort of connects with Yes You Can Drinks, which is a really cool little non-alc brand that do like a non-alc gin and tonic and non-alc spritz and non-alc um, dark and stormy and a few other flavors. which is just nice. If you're like going somewhere to catch up with friends at a barbecue to have something rather than a bottle of soft drink or a, Bottle of water I, for me, it does help a lot. And then also, my um uh seltzer company, Gravity Seltzer, which I'm a part owner of, we're just about to release all four of our flavors that are alcoholic in a non-out range as well, which um is going to massively help me. Being able to get obviously my own company doing four different flavors of non-out seltzer is going to be, yeah, I think that's going to be a big help for summer, but then also just really coming back to my why, like why am I doing this? If anyone tries to pressure me it's an understanding that I'm taking a year off for my own personal health benefits for my own kind of journey and path that I want to take. And if anyone tries to sway me off that, it's kind of just not really living strong to my why. So just keep coming back to that. Why are you doing this? And then also, yeah, having different options to keep me going for those times where I do go catch up with friends and alcohol fueling everyone else's good times.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you realize once you're there, and I think once you get through that first hurdle of that first drink, I always say to people, just get straight into your non-alk drink. don't sway, just be really focused on that and then it's kind of pretty smooth sailing. It's really important to have a plan.'ve you've, you've got your options and then remembering your why it's so important. I think if you've got those two things in place, you'll be you you're in a pretty good place there, which is fantastic. and it's a great thing for the listeners because I know it's such a big trigger. Uh, this sort of summertime and Christmas time coming up. And I think just the same things apply with all the work drinks and the Christmas parties. Just having a plan is super important and, and know your plan. I also think it's good to have a good exit strategy if it's getting too much, if it's getting mm. too hard. Just think how am I going to get out of here if I need to and, you know, what's the signs in me that I need to get out? Perhaps if you're starting to feel a bit anxious or, you know, it's just getting a bit too much. So tell me, when did you first start drinking and how did that look for you? Sure.
3: Oh, I mean, so as you mentioned at the start, I'm a professional surfer. So I've been very entrenched in that surf culture since the age of 10 years old. So I think I probably first had my first beers at like 13 or 14, like at our local beach on the weekends, when we had our board riders comms, the Groms would all sneak beers out of the keg when the parents weren't looking. And That was kind of what I grew up around. And then from like 15, 16, was drinking most weekends with friends, sneaking around to parties and just doing the average teenage thing. Um, And then as well from, yes, 16, 17, I'd been traveling the world without parents. So I had um, not as many rules as a lot of people, but I also feel like I did have quite a bit of maturity around it because I was a pretty top level athlete from a young age. I understood kind of my limits. I definitely sent it pretty hard and wrote myself off a lot more than I should have. And I think it just came back to a lack of education. We never really got taught at school the effects that alcohol has on you, short and long term, nor did I think my parents have the education to even teach it either. So I think that was a big reason why I drank as much as I did and continued to do so throughout my 20s. And I think I've just started to mature quite a bit now in my late 20s and asking a few more questions and starting to challenge the status quo and challenge why I drink and realise that it, a lot of it comes back to the undying amount of marketing and media that pushes alcohol on us, yet nothing gives you any um, education around the effects it's going to have on you. So, yeah, I, I, I had... But to be honest, I probably drank multiple times a week for 13 years from the age of 15. So, it's, um, yeah, it's been... It was never something that I woke up and like, you know, what I mean, I was never an alcoholic, I'd say, but I definitely enjoyed multiple times a week. Whether it be finishing work and working as a tradie for a few years in my 20s, I'd come home and me and mum would drink a bottle of wine almost every night just to relax. And then, or I'd have a beer after work. And then on the weekends, it'd be like going out with mates and grabbing a case of beer and writing yourself off. So it just seemed normal. Everyone was doing it, and it still seems very normal.
2: Yeah, well, what you say about the education—it's so important that if we were taught that at an early age, the effects that it have that it has on us—I wonder if that would change the way kids saw it. And I definitely feel like a lot of the young people coming up now—it's not like there is definitely uh, like a movement of young people not drinking, which is really cool. Is that one of the things that you teach when you go into schools? Do you talk about alcohol as part of you know how it affects your mental health?
3: No, I don't touch on it at all, to be honest. When I um, do that part of my speaking i don't know it's for one because i'm not a qualified person to, i'm not a practitioner i have any real um what would you call it any real education behind me around it so i don't feel like it's my place to teach i just share my story and the experiences i've had maybe after i've done my year off drinking and i can report kind of the changes i saw i might start talking about it in my workshops but just for now i don't think it's my place yet to really talk too much about it but maybe in the future sometime I feel like it's something that you kind of do need to learn and make up those decisions yourself something I do speak a lot about though is taking responsibility for all parts of your life and understanding that you have the choice to become the victim or the hero of your story and basically choose wisely so yeah no direct talking about alcohol because yeah and I speak to high school students so I don't really when they're not even drinking really yet of the younger years I'm just like not my place to talk to be honest
2: yeah although mind you we start we do. I know I started when I was 13 and a lot well, of people as, that, on this that's podcast. Kind of,
3: yeah, as I was saying that I probably just I just contradicted myself completely I said I started <laughs> drinking at 14 but yeah to be honest I just don't feel like it's my place to come into schools and talk about alcohol
2: sure but I do think it would be really powerful like you say when you've done the 12 months to say you know how it's affected you if it has like the positives that have come out of it yeah. you know, I think it's a great opportunity to have that conversation. The other thing, you know, talking about the surf culture and it's interesting how, you know, like dudes like Dave Rastovich, he's a good friend of ours and how, when he was a young Grom, you know, he was partying really hard and and then how he changed the whole way, you know, becoming a free surfer and really getting into meditation and health and growing your own fruit and veggies. And he's such a great advocate as well for, you know, sort of changing that, you know, from dudes like I don't want to speak out of turn, but, you know, Kong and Oki and that sort of the big party guys. And then that there is a different way of being. And I think it's it's really great to be able to sort of change it up a bit and do it differently, especially in that surf culture, especially with on the young, the like the touring, the touring sort of on the pro circuit, like it's mm. it's so full on and from what it, I've heard.
3: Yeah, I think it's definitely changed a lot from 20, 30 years ago where it was, they would go out and party the night before events and rock up on no sleep and surfing comps. Whereas I think it has become a lot more professional now. Like my years on the qualifying series, we call it, pre-event, it would always be like no drinking, you're focused, you're up early, you're surfing, you're training, which was epic. But that led to once you'd lose in the event, partying each night until you flew home. So I feel like it definitely has changed from it just being a full-time party and it's probably been pulled back 50%. But post-events from when I was last there, last there was definitely um, quite a lot of drinking. But it, it's a tricky one because as top-level athletes, you're not really partying that much at home and stuff. But then once you end up on the road, it's like after the events, you'd have pretty big blowouts. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely changing in the surf industry. A lot of the young guys are taking it really professional now, which is nice to see.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. My husband Ash wrote a book called Surf by Day, Jam by Night uh, about a year ago when we took up our one year alcohol free challenge, and he went and um, interviewed dudes like Kelly Slater and Jack Johnson and Steph Gilmore. Not dudes, she's not dude, but um, different mus- uh, different surfers and musicians that do both, but that are really at the top of their game, and found that the the sort of common thread that they had was that they didn't really they either didn't drink at all or didn't drink much. And for Kelly Slater, it was just like, that would just take him off his focus of of winning. And so he knew Mm -hmm. that he was able to put together that if he was to drink and get shit faced, he's not going to perform at his, the level that he needs to be at. And he figured that out early and look at him. I mean, what a guy like talk about becoming a hero of your own story. Like he's incredible what he's achieved. And he just saw alcohol as something that would hold him back from getting there. And, Like it's just amazing. Like, look at what you can achieve when you pull out all the things that could possibly hold you back. Yeah, it's
3: it's interesting. It's it's such a big distraction, alcohol, and there's, and like I said before, I think it just really comes back to education. It's about making smarter choices for your health, well-being, and kind of future endeavors. And the six months that I've had now, stopped drinking alcohol, my life has changed so much. The different avenues in my life that used to be filled with hangovers on Sundays and sort of planning what are we doing on the weekend now it's kind of filled with actually getting to rest and recharge over the weekend have a good couple you know I mean a good five days of work each week without carrying the hangover the anxiety the stress about money that alcohol used to kind of add to my life
2: so tell me what you know what got you to the point where you wanted to take on a year off alcohol what got you there
3: I played with the idea like multiple times over my sort of surf career. Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take it real seriously now. I'll take a month off and i would take a month or four or five weeks off and the next event would come around and then I'd lose early and I'd be like, well, that was pointless. And then the cycle would continue. And then this year back in April, I have a podcast as well. And um, on my podcast, I had this incredible neuroscientist on. Her name's Nicole Vignola. And we spoke about the effects of a whole range of things on the brain, from drugs and alcohol to sleep to um, exercise. And when we spoke about alcohol, I began to realise basically not the lie that we've been told, but the lack of information that we've all been exposed to about alcohol. And I had nigglings, but it was almost like, ignorance is bliss when it comes to not knowing like really what's happening but after speaking to her and she was talking about a few different studies on the brain that they're starting now to prove that even minimal amounts of alcohol up to like seven drinks a week which is what i'd pretty much have every week since i was 18 i would be considered a chronic drinker and i was like far out like i've drunk alcohol legally for 10 (laughs) years i was about two weeks away from my 28th birthday and i was like if I can do 10 years on, one year off, I think that's at least a pretty good, you know what I mean? If I can't give myself a year off, then who's in control, me or the alcohol company? So live on the podcast, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to pledge to you right now from my 28th birthday next week. I won't drink for all the 28. And yeah, I haven't had a drink since that. And it's been good. I, I, I host a podcast episode each week on a Monday talking about my journey and what I've noticed it what I've kind of been feeling, the ups and downs, what, and I basically just recount my week and the times that I probably would have normally drunk and say what I did instead or like what I, um, what my week consisted of instead and the positive changes I've seen. The so really it came prompted from just talking to a neuroscientist on my own podcast and learning about the effects of alcohol in the brain. And I was just like, you know what, I need to take back control. If I truly want to be free, freedom, um, is the ability to say no as much as it is to be able to do whatever you want.
2: When we're talking about good mental health, you know, alcohol plays such a big role in our mental health and we often don't realise. We don't realise how much much anxiety it creates within us and it pours so much fuel on our depression. And so many people don't even realise that or put two and two together. And so I think it's so important for you just to be able to spread this message with what you do and the work that you do and to just see the differences. So what differences have you noticed so far?
3: Uh, a couple of the main ones are just actually on the weekends getting rest. I used to tell myself being hungover on a Sunday was me resting, but I can really feel the difference now by not drinking. And sure, I might still sleep in till eight o'clock on a Sunday, but it's, not until midday because i got home at 4am and then the rest of my sunday is super average in bed in a dark room and then i wake up on a monday morning still feeling average because i've eaten shitty food on the sunday and it's like it was just this carry-on effect whereas now on a sunday i sleep in a little bit i can go to the farmer's markets on the weekend i can like go actually spend time resting and recharging the batteries so i can show up for The clients that I work with each week and um, myself to represent my business as good as I can Um, that's been a big one as well just the kind of people around me I think are starting to be inspired too which has really been cool and that's what I wanted to do I didn't want to force down people's throat come and do this challenge with me like you're you know I mean It's, it's never come from a place of like you need to do this like you're bad if you don't do this I'm like I've drunk for ages. I've got zero judgment on anyone who drinks. Like, if you want to drink, absolutely be my guest. I'll probably drink again in a year. But I've had multiple people around me who are friends, that are close friends and even distant sort of friends that have reached out and said, oh, you've inspired me to take a month off or you've done this or like, I'm going to take a year off. I had a, needed a push like this in the right direction. It's like, it's pretty cool to know that without trying to tell people to do stuff, I was like, I'm just going to leave not even lead by example. I'm just going to do it for myself. I'm going to document it. And if people come on the journey, epic. Um, So that's been like a noticeable, noticeable thing, just sort of like the inspiration that's drawn for people around me, which just makes you feel good to know that just by you doing something, it's attracted other people to make some positive changes in their life too. Um, Then like financially, it's been obviously a big money saver, not going out on the weekends and buying alcohol. Um, And then as well, just like my business and the clarity that I've had in my mind and my focus with what I'm trying to achieve has just been accelerated so much since not drinking. Like, and literally since I stopped in May, each month, my business has just like almost doubled from like more workshops, more merch, more podcast listens. A lot of things have just been really falling into place since stopping. And I'm not saying it's directly linked to it, but it has to have um, some sort of correlation. So there are a few of the key things, but yeah, each week I learn new stuff and just realize for one, how frequent alcohol used to be involved in my life, but two, kind of, yeah, it's just building a far bigger awareness on how it's like we live in this time right now in the world that is unlike any other. We get marketed thousands of times every day and, hundreds of those times are from alcohol companies whether you see it or not when you drive past a bus shelter when you drive along the street and there's four bottle loads between your house and your work like it's always there and i think by stopping it's made me just be aware of that and go like wait a second there's all this stuff telling you to take it but there's nothing warning you about what it does like it's pretty wild when you really think about it like you see the numbers in domestic violence go up any night that there's big football games you see um yeah, uh, yeah, like all these different things that happen around big events when there's big drinking involved, yet the marketing continues and the kinda of result or the um the information is very well guarded, I think, for what happens to you, you have to go and find it yourself rather than pitching people
2: yeah that's so true and it's funny how you know on cigarette packets you get the warnings you know you see brian there with lung cancer and it's unfortunate that we don't get fed that information you know i think it was last year in australia five hundred ninety thousand hospital admissions were due to an alcohol related thing five five and a half thousand deaths directly linked to alcohol consumption i mean that's huge that's big numbers and it's you know i don't even know how like if that would actually encapsulate all of it there's probably some that were that are missing in there but that i mean they're pretty big numbers and we just don't see and like you say the the domestic violence the sexual abuse like all these things that come under you know it's suicide mental health that comes from alcohol and it's not too sit here and like pester people with negative information, but also just to sort of shine a light and say, this is actually the truth of it. And it needs to be addressed and people at least need to know. And it's so fantastic just to put it out, like on your podcast, on this podcast, I don't know if you heard the Huberman podcast on alcohol, Mm, like that was, that was just so amazing. I just, I love that. And just to get that information is incredible. So tell me, That's it's great to hear the the positives. What struggles have you had? Have you had any struggles with it so far in the six months?
3: I mean, I wouldn't say any real direct struggles. I've had plenty of night. I mean, I'm very lucky. I've got a incredible group of friends who are very successful in all different action sports and sporting um, codes and also friends who are big musicians and DJs like my brother-in-law's Fisher, one of the biggest DJs in the world. And he just had one of his biggest shows he's ever had in Melbourne last week and like going to that and getting obviously like VIP treatment with free bottle service and this and that. At a lot of the times I do go out to support friends watching music. It feels like a little bit of a waste to not be able to utilize the what would be a free ride up. Yeah, Yeah. the free ride up. But I'm also like uh, like that's almost just another there's it's like someone's setting all these crab traps and you just gotta like avoid putting your hand in it. It's like, wait a second, I'm doing this for me. I'm like my life's good. I'm happy. Why do I need to add alcohol to it right now? um so the events which I feel like is only going to speed up this summer has been a bit of a I wouldn't say a tricky one the main thing because I've like made it public and I have the forced accountability of doing a podcast each week about it it makes me not really be able to go oh like screw it I'll just have a drink like fuck, no one's watching whereas for me there's a lot of people watching I like, get people every time I'm out at night stop me and be like hey i am listen to your sober podcast Is that a, like drink I'm like no nah, just soda water like so it's turned into a bit of a game for me to be honest I'm like quite proud of it that the times that people come up to you and be like oh do you want to drink and like oh no nah, I'm not drinking or like a non-alcohol and they would be like oh come on mate but like, we but then I've noticed most people that sort of follow-up question when you're like oh no nah, I'm doing it because I had a neuroscientist on to learn about the effects of it and just thought I'd better my health for a year and then most people kind of go oh i wish i could do that and I'm like, and it's nice to be like well you can like what's mm-hmm. stopping you it's like oh i've got like two weddings coming up this month i could probably do it next month i'm like there's always going to be something that it like you could drink at i like can yeah. multiple times a week there's going to be something you can drink at it's about having the discipline and the self-value to be able to say no um which is just building over time for me the more I do it the more it's um becoming easier but like I said it's been um through winter and now summer's coming up where there's obviously a lot of incredible events to attend over the Christmas holidays and whatnot but I think I'll be okay like I said before I've got a few different things in place and whatnot and then as well like my seltzer company has brought out like new flavors since I've been um not drinking that I haven't even been able to try so like that's been like I haven't even put a drop on my tongue of like the new flavors that we had, so I'm just like the non-alcohol version of them are coming out in the next week or two, so I get to try them. But
2: oh, that's so yeah. exciting! What's the name of the the company?
3: It's called Gravity Seltzer.
2: Gravity Seltzer. All right, yes, so everyone got, listening needs to look out for gra- when will we will be able to see those on the shelves, or how do we get them?
3: I think the Gravity Seltzer non arcs are going to be available by November. I mean, by December, and they'll be see. on the website dot i think it is and yeah the four flavors we've got like a lemon ginger and then we've got a melon flavor which is then we have a blood orange and passion fruit flavor and then our new flavor is a kiwi guava which is incredible Well, which i haven't tried but i've heard from everyone that it's our best flavor <laughs> so once it comes out in non-out very soon i'm getting samples sent up this week but yeah keep an eye out for it. it should be nice to have like a range of four different flavors so you can kind of go to an event and Take a couple of different drinks, still feel like you're part of the whole seltzer movement that we're all seeing. But yeah, they're just not out, which is great.
2: I love that. You have to keep us keep me posted because we can definitely share it yeah, as, yeah. I'll, as well I'll, again. When,
3: when it comes out, I'll send you down a case so you can um try it out yourself and you can give us a little review.
2: Amazing. Absolutely. I love what you said too about having this self value to say no. It's so huge because a lot of it, sometimes when we're drinking, oftentimes it can, I know it was for me when I was younger and even. You know, when I you know I'm 45 now, I quit when I was 41, but um or 40 actually. But even then, you know, not having enough value in myself to say no, I was sort of pleasing other people for drinking. I, I was and I sort of realized when it was like I want to do this for myself and I value myself enough to say no, I think that's that's a, a really beautiful thing to be able to recognize and that you know, we are, you know, if you're making this this conscious decision, it's it's about you and it has to be your own journey. And I think that's a really important part of this message too—is just to value yourself enough to say no. That's really beautiful.
3: Yeah, and I've been really lucky. I've had one like role model that I actually haven't really spoken too much on my podcast or anything. That I, my dad, he he basically had a bit of a problem with alcohol throughout my teen years. Would come home pretty drunk sometimes, and was ne like was just. Yeah, wasn't a good drunk and he'd go to like AA a little bit and um, he, yeah, just had a bit of a problem with it. And then my mum basically put on him like, you've got to stop drinking or it's like me or the alcohol and he hasn't had a drink in 10 years since that moment. Mum said that to him, which I probably don't give him enough credit for how proud I am of him for doing that, but also just a role model that it probably subconsciously has led me to basically give permission to like, oh, you don't have to keep drinking, like having your dad be someone who doesn't drink is um yeah I'm so proud of him like he doesn't even drink non-arc he's like no nah, I don't like a non-arc beer would just leave me to wanting to have beers so he just has his monster energy or his Red Bull on the weekends he has he's like I give myself two a week and I have one on a Friday night one on a Saturday night and he's like I just stick to myself I stay in my own lane and I'm, I'm happy like I don't need to add um add drama to my life and that's what alcohol really only brought to me was drama so yeah, he hasn't had a drink in 10 years. So it's nice to catch up, like chat to him on the phone. I, uh, he's my biggest fan and my best mate. So we chat every couple of days on the phone. And he, um, yeah, lets me know how even my sober podcast, like how proud he is of listening to my journey and how much he can relate to little moments and by having different guests on my one. Like he's like, oh, I remember that feeling of going to AA and feeling like my story wasn't that special, but then getting to share it realised. So it's just like, it's cool to see that he's been a big inspiration of mine without even realizing it if that makes sense
2: yeah absolutely and now isn't it funny the knock-on effect that your dad's been this huge inspiration for you and now you're also being a huge inspiration for probably thousands and thousands of of other young people as well that's awesome about your dad I'll have to get him on the podcast as well I'd love to hear his story
3: yeah you should he's um he's pretty funny with chatting on camera I recorded an episode with him for my podcast because I got stuck one day and really needed to fill an episode in and he. Told his story and then, I don't know if you've ever had this problem with a guest. He's like, oh, he just like is a bit. He doesn't really like. He's pretty. He's very to himself sort of guy. Like yeah. he gets nervous that someone will judge him for. Him. I'm like, just own your story. And he's like, oh, can we wait and like re-record it? So I still need to re-record to have him on mind, but he might be keen to have a chat. <laughs> <Like
2: asking>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had a guest on my podcast last week. His name's Andrew. He's from Victoria, and he's a man of few words, and it, and he's suffered mental health stuff as well, and so he was anxious and nervous as well but he was just so beautiful in the end he just shared his story so openly and I've had so much feedback like so much feedback from people just going wow his story was just so incredible it touched me so much it was amazing and I love it too I I just absolutely love it
3: I'll have to link you with this girl Kate um who I had on my podcast last week whose story was just like so I feel like so relatable not for me but for like would be so relatable to so many where like a relationship has just dragged them into drinking more than they kind of would normally and then it's kind of got worse and worse and then the mm. relationship ended and the alcohol was still there and it's just mm. like I feel like a story that's probably far too common but yeah I'll um I'll have to thank you with Kate she'd be great on yours
2: no oh, please do that sounds amazing I um so ha- what's the feedback been like from for on Mondays where you have your 28 and sober part of your podcast what's the feedback been is it mostly young people listening and what are they kind of what you know? What are you getting from people who are listening to it?
3: Oh, to be honest, a massive mix. It's So it's my shortest episode that I do each week. It's, like, usually less than 10 minutes. I basically just have a real quick catch-up on what I've been up to. And it's actually, by my surprise, probably my most, like, listened-to episode of the week in, like, the first week of it being out, which is really cool. I have, like, usually about 1,000 or 2,000 people listening the first day it comes out each week. But I've had really mixed, like... Um, feedback like not all positive but different people being like oh I love like the sober episode it's so nice just to hear like your journey kind of gives permission and makes me inspired to go on my own journey like that's kind of the most frequent one I get mm-hmm. and then yeah now that I've started opening up asking people to share their story with me because I'm beginning to not have that much to talk about because I feel like doing it weekly I'm like some weeks are just pretty boring not boring but just filled with so much that doesn't really even can cons- think about alcohol so I'm like
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah just trying to work out the best next like six months to have to do guests on there to try and yeah just add as much value as possible to the people listening but yeah the feedback's been good like I said it's been one of my most listened to episodes each week and it's nice to give people like a place to look without getting something pushed down their throat and a place mm-hmm. hopefully like just to listen and be like oh so that's what it'll be like if I stop and I yeah. just don't feel like I'd ever really seen that from anywhere before you yeah. can listen to like a whole episode from someone about their journey, but to come on the journey has been like kind of cool to bring people on that yeah, journey with me.
2: Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I love that you're not getting all self-righteous about your choices. I think that's really important, Ram, ramming it down people's throat, but you're not doing that. It's just a gentle, you know, gentle place and just, people can just come and hear how it is for you.
3: I hold no judgment. I literally have, um, like, I've drunk so much in my life. I can't judge someone. And the main thing I realise now when I go out and I'm at a nightclub, I just see myself in so many other people, like just Mm -hmm. the kind of incoherence and sloppiness of being Mm -hmm. drunk. That was me for 15 years Mm -hmm. and it probably will be me again. So I'm like, I can't judge anyone, but I can take notice and at least carry that awareness into my future that "Mm, do I really want to be like that every single weekend? Like it's not an accurate representation of who I am and what my values truly are. So I probably don't need to do that all the time. And, like, I don't think it's a problem to, like, have a few drinks and get loose every now and then with your mates if it's celebrating or something. But I wasn't using it as a way to celebrate. I was using it as a way to escape for a few days each week, whereas Mm. we should realise that we need to solve our problems, not escape from them.
2: Oof, yes, there you go. That's the money shot there. Yeah, figuring out. And I think it's really good, too, to identify, particularly at an early age, in your twenties, I wish I could have to identify why I'm actually doing this right now. Am I doing it because I'm feeling uncomfortable or I I want to escape something or I need to numb out, or am I doing this just to get together with my friends and and have a good time and leave it at that? I think for me, I know for when I was younger, that it would just be, and it was so like, so constant all the time, like quite a few times a week. And that's definitely not healthy, you know, to, to when you get to that level. And then of course, you know, by the time you hit 40 and you've been doing that, you know, every week you're smashing yourself. I don't know if you were, were you smashing yourself? Were you getting blackout drunk at all? Or how, how did it look for you?
3: Yeah, it definitely wasn't healthy. Let's put it yeah. that way. I was like, yeah, I wasn't just the guy that would go out and have like four or five beers, get an Uber home and go to bed at 11. There was definitely, I mean, I always love my sleep. I'd try and go home by like one or two most nights, but it would be, drink until I forget how many drinks I've had pretty much every time I'd go out. So yeah, yeah. times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
2: You know, for a young person who did want to kind of step out of the mold, what, what would you say, how, what, what's a good way for them to go about that when they're feeling maybe pressure from their friends and that's what everyone does? It's a big choice when you're still young to go, actually, I'm going to do something differently this weekend. And I mean, how do you still show up? you know, as that young person, what advice would you give?
3: It it is a tough one because if I had the answer, I would have probably done it myself when I was younger. But I think just at least build the awareness, just ask yourself the question like, all right, how often am I drinking? Do a bit of listen to that Huberman podcast and then try and still drink as much as you do. Because I mean, hopefully we're all going to be on this planet for a a long time. And it just seems not right to just destroy your body in your twenties and thirties. But I think the main sort of a bit of advice is just come back to like realizing that you're doing it for yourself. And so if you want your group of mates to kind of start pulling back on drinking, somebody has to start it. If you have to be the one that stands out a little bit and challenges the group and says like, Hey, I think I'm just going to try and not drink as much. I'm going to get ready. Whether you set yourself a challenge to run a marathon and be like, I'm not going to drink for a month leading into it. And just start to notice how different you feel and see if that is more attractive to your life than drinking every weekend. But it's a hard one. Like I said, I don't want to be self-righteous and say I've got the answers. I drank every weekend till I was 27, so I can't really point fingers and say you should stop drinking. But just ask questions. Look around. Look how often you're getting told to drink by society and just ask like, hmm, is this benefiting my life or is it having a negative effect on my life and i can agree there definitely is times where alcohol might be a benefit to like catch up with your friends celebrate but if you're doing that every weekend to escape what you're doing for work for the week i think it's just important to yeah, question your values and realize hmm, where do i want to be what direction do i want to be heading in life and alcohol can just be the biggest wet blanket to like kind of stick yourself in the mud for quite a long time through your 20s and it was for me
2: yeah, absolutely. So when when we started when we stopped drinking, we were it's pretty well documented obviously throughout my podcast, but we started from a challenge. It was 12 months, it was a 12-month challenge with a group of us, the group of friends, and it was awesome. So that whole year like we just started to see the changes in ourselves, changes in the mental health. Ash, you know, with his music career, even his own surfing, like everything was improving, physically he was improving. The same was, was with our other friends that were joined in on this challenge as well. And we got to the end of the 12 months. We always had the intention of drinking at the end of 12, the 12 months. It was like I knew what I was going to be drinking. I'd already picked it out in my head. And as we got closer, I started to think, oh, I'm, I, I, can re- I feel really different. I feel so different. And I don't know if I want to go back to that And for me, because it had been such a long cycle of, you know, binge stop, binge stop, binge stop, I realized that this moderation thing isn't working for me and I just want to continue feeling good. Mm. And so I remember saying to the group, I don't, I don't think I actually am going to like start drinking again. I'm I'm going to keep going and just see how I feel. What happens? Like, what's your plan for the end of the 12 months? Like what happens if you get there and you're like, I feel really good. Would you keep going or would you force yourself to drink? (laughs)
3: I mean, I don't think I'm going to force myself to drink, but (laughs) I'll jump that hurdle when I get there, to be honest. It's not something that I'm really planning for. I mean, it'll be right around my birthday too. So, I mean, I think I'll have a few drinks for sure. Like I said, I'm a part owner of an alcohol company, so... It wasn't, it didn't go down amazingly well when I, not, did, actually they're very supportive of it because we do have non alcohol versions, but a month after signing a contract to be the face of an alcohol company saying I'm not going to drink is, um, it was a, added an extra kind of challenge to the challenge, but no, they've been super supportive of it. But I'm looking, like, like I said, I don't think alcohol is a massive negative. I just think the amount that we drink it is, and I mean I might get there and decide you know what I don't need to drink my life's changed enough but I think I'll just definitely have a five different relationship with alcohol Mm -hmm. but yeah I'll jump that hurdle when I get to it I don't want to like say I'm going to do this it's still so far away that I'm not really making any assumptions I feel like my life's going to be in a very interesting place in six months with a few of the opportunities I've got coming up so yeah, we'll wait and see.
2: Oh, my, well, I can't wait to hear. So please let me know, like, let me know when you get there and, and what where you choose to go with it because that's will be really exciting to hear. And also in terms of your own company, I think it's so great to diversify out into the non-elk because it's becoming such a huge industry now that it could just take over.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to do really well, to be honest. I think being able yeah. to sell in supermarkets and service stations is obviously a big... Um, a big win from a business perspective, but I just think it also is going to make people healthier to have that choice of, oh, you know what? Like if there's more options, more people are going to try the non-alc versions of stuff and hopefully we're going to see a big shift in culture, but Mm -hmm. it's hard. The lobbying and the alcohol industry is billions of dollars. So the lack of education, I don't like, yeah, I I don't really see where it's, if it's going to go, but it's going to come back to just us as people Making healthier decisions, and it comes back to us taking responsibility. We can continue to point the fingers at alcohol companies and say they're, they're the they're the problem, or we can take responsibility for our own choices.
2: Mm, yeah, amazing. Taking responsibility for your own choices, amazing. Well, that's so fantastic. Thank you so much for for coming on, and I just think you're such a great inspiration, especially for you know younger people, you know, or anyone really, just. You know, setting yourself a really decent challenge to go right. I'm going to do this and see how it feels. And just, I guess you listen to the feedback within your own body, and you know, your body will tell you all that you need to know if you're on the right path or not. So, I think it's great what you're doing. It's amazing. So,
3: so I was just going to say, I feel like even setting yourself a month or a two month challenge and just notice how you feel because you might go five more years without taking a month off alcohol, and then you do it, and you're like, oh my god, I wish I did that five years ago. Like the best time to pull back and stop drinking was the day you started drinking but the second best time is today so it's like mm. you don't really have there's no like as long as you don't judge yourself it's like just try and do it see how you go if you, yeah. and if you can't do it question yourself and be like wow look at the lack of freedom that I truly do have like we think we're free but if we don't have the power to say no then you're not really free at all
2: oh that's a good one yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that's the great point. Yeah, if it, if you can't do it, then there's something up. So yeah. yeah, and then you're not you're not as free as what you think you are. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Cooper Chapman, thank you so much. So your podcast, the the Good Humans podcast, is out three times a week at the moment, and it's obviously available where all good podcasts live. Your soap, your Twenty Eight and Sober, is out on Mondays. And um, if anyone wants to kind of touch base with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact?
3: Yeah, so if you search on any of the podcasts or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, just search Good Humans with Cooper Chapman. And, yeah, I've got Monday, um, Sober Episodes. Wednesday, I have a community of people giving 1% of their day to their mental health with meditation and gratitude, which is epic. Um, And I talk about that on my Wednesday episode, and on Fridays, I have a guest each week. So, yeah, check that out on the podcast um if you want to find me you can just go at cooper chapman on instagram i'm always super open to hearing people's stories and getting in contact if you have any questions about my journey or anything i'm up to um do reach out on instagram or if you go to thegoodhumanfactory.com you can learn more about uh, my mental health workshops my merch um, podcast ambassadors a whole range of things that i do with my business um And then, yeah, just at the Good Human Factory on Instagram, you can see a lot more of the sort of stuff I get up to in the mental health world. But yeah, if you want to get in contact, Instagram is probably the best place. But just like to come on the pod, and hopefully, a few people have maybe challenged the way they think about alcohol a little bit more today.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much. See you later.
3: See ya.